Welcome to another edition of Unplugged. We tick towards a Friday night game, a rare Friday night game for the Saints. We have had a couple this season. Uh, an important game in terms of getting things back on track. A, a strange, and I was just actually literally just before we jumped on to record this, it's rare that we recorded this early in the week, was list, was reading the Red, White and Black Boys uh, review of the game and our mate Rory um penned it this week and made a good point that you feel a little bit helpless and it was a bit of a helpless night it was a strange game of football a game that didn't really flow at any point due to turnovers due to injuries due to far too many free kicks being paid 52 I think it was in the end including about what felt like 20 in a row to Brisbane after half time but it, it was a, a a tough watch it was a game that at half time, I genuinely felt that we would probably win. Um, but then things went wrong. Obviously, the, the loss of Mitch Owens just before half time, then McKenzie just after, then Jones and a few other bits and pieces. It doesn't hide the fact that we were dominated largely after half time. Brisbane dominated territory, clearances, had far more shots than we did. But we hung in there. It was a game where we looked like we were outgunned. But we showed a bit of ticker, we fought, we we battled away, we, we hung in there and it just got away from us a little bit at the end. It, it's not a game to, to necessarily be ashamed of. There were reasons that contributed to the loss. We don't know whether we would have won without those factors. We'll, we may never know the answer to that. But it was a frustrating night, one where the club didn't disgrace itself, but at the same time could have done a few things a lot better than it did. Uh, in order to get that result. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're always annoyed to lose, but there was a bit in it that you could potentially take away, even if Brisbane could have beaten us by a bit more had they have kicked straight. Nick, you've been in the uh, the COVID ISO. You were on the uh, on the bench last week, replaced uh, by Phil, but we've got you back, uh, not fighting fit, but, but getting a little bit closer. What was your summation of Saturday? Yeah, glad to glad to send Phil back to the B team where he belongs. But um, <laughs> no, look, it, it was it was a tough it was a tough watch. Like you said, it was even in the first half where I thought we were we were probably clearly the better team. And like you, I thought at that point that if we could if we could kick straight from there that, that we had them because I thought that we were playing better than them. Uh, even though we weren't playing great football, I still thought that we were better than them. And that was that was a real positive for me to come out of this game. Is it? even when we weren't playing great football and, and we didn't play great football for the, the entire game. Um, but we, we were still competitive with one of the best teams in the competition. And, you know, we saw that when we, we, we played some pretty good football against Melbourne, you know, a, a month or two back. And, and even then, you know, Melbourne blew us away through that, that period, but uh, we weren't playing great footy against Brisbane. Um, and we were really competitive. We, we, we held them at bay um, and probably deserved to be three or four goals up at halftime. I thought um, obviously we, we know what happened in the second half, but um, I think that was the, 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 the biggest positive is that we stayed tough, even with men down. Um, we weren't playing great footy that you know, the odds were against us. Um, Brisbane obviously got their shit together and, and dominated us. Like you said, in the second half that I think they, they beat us in basically every major metric with and without the football in, in the second half. Um, but we still stuck with them for the main part. Um, we didn't drop our bundle. We, we didn't we didn't lose ourselves. And I think in previous years we probably lose that by by ten or fifteen goals in the second half in, in that sort of situation. And you know, a little bit like the G, GWS game. I know we won that game in the end, but you know, we, we stuck with it. We fought tough. Um, and I think that's that's reflective in the type of footy team 
that we are at the moment is that is that we don't drop our bundle, um, we don't get blown away, um, and you know I think the, the 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 biggest con for me is that I really want to see us play great football. I want to see us play our style of footy against good teams. We did it for patches against Geelong. I want to see us do it against the Brisbane's, against the Melbournes, against you know Sydney in a couple of weeks. I want to see us do it against the good teams, and I want to see us you know earn, earn the results that 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 brings with it, and and. Yeah, I'm hoping that over the next few weeks we'll, we'll see that a little bit more. But um, yeah, all in all, it was a it was a tough watch, but there were plenty of positives to take out of it. I thought. Yeah, there was a match that had a lot of frustrations. I mean, the <clears throat> some of the the umpiring both ways. I mean, we were been a, we were the beneficiaries of some poor umpiring. So were they clearly? Um, obviously, but some of the obvious ones that were missed. I mean, Higgins getting shoved into the fence effectively when he missed that shot just before quarter time and. Uh, other bits and pieces, but yeah, it was it was a weird one. As I was saying, I thought at halftime we'd probably win, but I thought five minutes into the third quarter we were fucked, and then obviously it it, it turned a little bit back the other way, but never really got got going again. And and it felt like there was just one layer after the other. So at halftime you thought, oh, it's okay, line it's come on, we've still got a bit of run. Then McKenzie goes down, and you're like, oh, now it's going to be tough. But then they lost Orko, and you thought, well, that balances it out. And then you find out at three quarter time, Jones is out, and you're like, that might be a little bit too much. But H, how did you um, how did you assess that? It was a slow death. Well, after after what I said last week, I almost turned off after ten seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made the big point of us getting clearances from Gresham and then they're marking it straight away. Not only did it happen our first <clears> possession <throat> of the game, we get the clearance, Gresham kicks it long and Brisbane marketing our 50. We get back from half time and the exact same thing happened again. <laughs> I'm just going, I'm, we're seeing this every single time. It, 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 and as soon as that first one happened, I've just gone, yep, I know exactly how tonight's going to go. It's going to be an absolute. I guess um, drill. It was just it was just going to bug us all night. That sort of turnover, that sort of things, just not going our way. It was I, I could just read it like a it, this is what's going to happen tonight. It's just going to be pain, and and that's pretty much how it turned out. So um, yeah, it was one of those ones you looked at. Go, we had the opportunity to be far enough ahead at some point to put them away. I said that we needed to get them early and make them get them quiet. And we got the opportunity to do that, but we just didn't make the most of them. So we, yeah, really, really need to take those opportunities when they do come to you because they don't give you those opportunities very often up there. And we could have been up, yeah, what five, six goals to one at some point, the way it looked and probably should have. We just let him back into it. Not finishing to our end, and a few silly mistakes at, at in our defensive lines that just just cost us goals. That you're looking going, they are the sort of goals we don't need to give away, or they're the goals we have to kick. And yeah, it, it's just one of those really frustrating nights, and it, it'd be the sort of game that we don't want to turn up next week and do those same silly things again because it'd be even more painful to lose to Essendon. So I want to ask you guys uh, something, because I was obviously not in, not in a, a great way on, on Saturday night. And, and 
I actually watched the game with, with my wife. And for those of you who, who know Amelia, know she's not a huge football fan. She doesn't watch most games. And this is probably the first game she's watched in about six or seven years. But one of the things that she said to me, I guess, around three-quarter time or, or late in the second half was that there seems to be no connection with our blokes from, from defence to midfield to forward line. There's, there's no cohesion. And it's something that we've spoken about a lot, I think, on, on this show, but also you know, around the club, it's been spoken about the connection and the, the, the team building and all that sort of stuff that, that there is at the club at the moment. But what did you guys see, um, I, I guess, on the night? Well, did we do something different? With, were the Lions doing something that stopped us and, and our usual game style? What was it on, on the night, in, in the moment, that felt like we were so incredibly disconnected? Yeah, I, I think for me it was just the way the whole game was played. I think they were the same in in many respects. It was, and you know, I'm not putting that on umpiring, for example, because umpiring was one byproduct of it. I think when you get games where it's whistle happy like that, where it's whistles every ten seconds, and it, it felt like every contest it'd be a free kick to somebody. And I think those games, if you look at the scoring in the first half, there were eight goals kicked in the first half. And I reckon seven of them came from free kicks. Nearly every score in the first half from either side was a free kick, including the double goal that Brisbane got. So I think it was a combination of both sides' ball use was poor, uh, whether that was condition-related, and the stop-start nature of the game. So the poor skills has got nothing to do with umpiring, and the umpiring didn't necessarily go one way or the other, but but I felt it was an over-whistled game, which didn't allow the contest to flow in any way. Yeah, I, the, the conditions apparently <clears throat> were as dry as they've been <clears throat> for some time up there, so there, there was no... <clears throat> dew on the ground the ground wasn't wet from rain so apparently the the conditions were absolutely perfect to play in so skill errors um really should not have come into it um the the only reason for any skill error should have been massive pressure um but that seems to be what brisbane kind of did i I just i sat there i don't know how many times where we've struggled to get down the ground just just a kick a kick around 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 and just going we're struggling to move the ball up kick by kick by kick by kick and then all of a sudden they've got it in their back line after we've kicked it long and they've cut it off and all of a sudden one kick two kick three kick they're back in their forward line you go how are they moving it so easily i don't know if our i've been saying I'm, i'm not a huge fan of this zoning off we're playing i feel like I feel like we're standing 10, 15 metres away from every single player on the field, just going, oh, I'll, get, I'll, I'll get to the mark if they mark it. We're just giving them the, the ball, easy ball too much. And I think te- some teams really open that up. Um, and, and that's kind of what Brisbane did when they got the opportunity. In that third quarter, it was just kick, 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 goal. They just ran the way ever how they wanted to. There was no... Um, we we didn't cut them off. We didn't get to the contest. We didn't. It was just easy marks. So I think we've we've we're sitting too far back off them. It's it's starting to really frustrate me. Just seeing these, seeing us struggle to move the ball up the field. Then all of a sudden they've got six free players. And the the biggest confusion for them is which one do I kick it to? Because there's just so many options available. Because we're just sitting too far back. Um. We, we spoke yeah, about the, that, H, I reckon, after after round one when we first had Phil on the show. We talked about how 
at times we can look really, really stagnant. We can win the ball and we stop and prop. And instead of taking that first option, and I thought there were, I thought that was one of the things that stopped us on Saturday night was that there were so many times when we didn't take the first option to move the ball, whether it was a quick handball out or handball or someone running past or a short kick sideways, just to, just to move the ball that we'd take possession and stop and look around and have a think. And I think there are a couple of, couple of guys that, that tended to do that. I don't know if it was pressure or, or not, but yeah, you're right. I think it's, it's kind of, the, it's the biggest thing that stops us. I think, we, we are our biggest enemy at times in that, that we don't play our game. I, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or, or whatever, but there's no reason that we shouldn't be confident to play our game of footy because we know that when we play our brand, you know, we do it well. But it's, it's like you, H, it's, it's my biggest annoyance, I think, is that so often we go into our shell and we try and play safe, but we play our best footy when we're not doing that. Yeah, I think that's absolutely correct. And I know a few weeks ago, I was comparing a lot of uh, matches to to movies. And I think that's probably not a bad shout. For me, it was probably like watching the film Braveheart in the sense that you always felt you were against the odds. You were going pretty well for most of the film, but just too many things went wrong. Um, uh, There are times where you look like you're about to get on top and there was that breakdown in communication, like at the end when the the other mob should have flanked and they would have won that battle at the end of Braveheart and then he ends up getting captured and and dies in the end. So uh, it felt a bit like that, like you were pushing shit uphill but had your moments where you look like you were about to get it done. But uh, we, we look towards the the votes. An interesting one. I think our defence held up pretty well. And, and I wanted to give a vote to Jack Sinclair. Um, pretty solid game. Not his best game. He made some mistakes, but I gave him a vote. Um, I gave two votes to Seb Ross. Again, probably not his best game, but I thought he was pretty good through the middle for most of the game. Um, solid in, in the clearances, plenty of touches. And, but I thought our probably our best player, and I think he was a guy that has been a touch vulnerable in recent weeks, was, was Jimmy Webster, to be honest. Um, I think of our defensive group, I thought he was a really solid player. And honourable mentions to people like Battle, um, but, but I gave my, my three votes to Jimmy Webster, Nick. I think this could be one where potentially we see different votes. I, mean, I think quite often we're on the same page with a lot. And, mm. and I think there's probably that core group of probably eight or 10 guys that are all with, you know, whether honorable mentions or, or votes or, or whatever. And, and I gave my honorable mentions. I thought Jimmy Webster was fantastic in the first half. I thought he was probably our best player in the first half. And I thought as, as the team dropped off in the second, I mean, they still worked real hard and, and they battled, but I thought that, that his impact and influence probably, probably dropped a little bit in the second half. I thought Jack Sinclair was good without being great. I thought Seb Ross was very good again. I thought Ben Patton was probably up there. I thought it was one of his better games for the season. And Tim Embry, I think as he always does, battled hard. I gave one vote to Cal Wilkie, uh, played 100% of game time. Um, and, and we know that, you know, being two or three men down necessitated that, especially in the second half, but eight marks. Yeah, he only had 11 touches, but he went at 91, 92%. Um, and, and it's just kind of the barometer for that, that back half. I thought Brad Crouch, was very good. Twenty six touches in in the in the trenches, uh, ten tackles and six score involvements, uh, and kicked a goal himself, which was really important. Josh Battle, I gave three. I thought probably wasn't his best game, but I think contribution across four quarters never died. I thought he he worked really really hard. He ran. He covered a lot of ground. Seventeen touches, eight marks, five intercepts, and four hundred and fifty meters gained. I think showed the real balance of his role from intercept mark 
um, defensive type player to, to try and kickstart offense and trying to move the ball forward. And, and his skill level as a distributor, um, I thought he was really, really important. And across the four quarters, probably in, in my eyes, uh, our most impactful player um, and just keeps improving week after week and, and has really kind of solidified his spot in, in that back six. And, you know, this guy could be anything as, as a center half back or as a, a third, third man up in defense, um, just keeps getting better. And I, I've been really impressed with him this year. Um, H, where, where did you see your votes? Yeah, it's, it is a quite, quite a mix, as you just mentioned. Um, I'm going to give votes to three players you've both mentioned, but again, a completely different order to both of you. So um, I've given one to Josh Battle. So I, for everything you've mentioned there, I thought he had a, a great game. Um, There's a, a couple of times there I thought he got a little bit lost. Um, he might have been a situation where he kind of had a, a, a few different choices to make and just unfortunately made the wrong one a couple of times. Um, but I, I can't knock the effort. Um, it was basically the way we look at it. We're, we're, we're giving the backman votes this week because if, if it wasn't for the backman, mm. we would have been <clears throat> annihilated, I think. So, I mean, Brisbane kicking inaccurately and our backman actually standing up to, at the same time is the reason we're not looking at a massive loss. Um, but yeah, Josh, Josh Battle's game was great. Um, gave two to Cal Wilkie. I, I don't understand the um, lack of recognition from his game. I, I thought his game was actually really, really good. Mm. The, I didn't see him in any of the um, media votes. I didn't see him in any of this, but he just kept popping up and ta- he took eight marks in the back line. So there's, there's eight opportunities. He stopped straight away because I'm pretty sure all his marks came off or except maybe one or two came off Brisbane kicks. They're all intercept marks. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't he, even named in the clubs in the clubs best in the match report. Yeah, so and I've seen all these, and I'm just thinking, what what game was I watching? Because yeah, again, another player that if he didn't have a good game, we are getting beaten by a mile. Um, and to go with Parco, yeah, Jimmy Webster, I, I've the things he did, we haven't seen that this year. He he had a brilliant game. Um, it was the sort of thing that I was looking at at the start of the year when I was. I said, who do we need to play well this year to play well? And I said, Jimmy Webster. We need him playing good football. He has been solid, but what he did on the weekend, if he plays like that when we're all playing well, we're going to fly. Because, yeah, he, he, he intercepts the marks, picking up like ground balls cleanly and getting it out of their 50 Beating his opponent, that, and that's the big thing. He it, he's beating his opponent and getting these all these possessions and giving us drive and opportunity up the ground. And that's it, it, a sort of I'm looking back a few years now and saying that's how he played a few years ago when he was at his absolute top. And it'd be nice to see him launch from that because he's done it against a good opposition. Let's see you do it against everyone else because that sort of football is going to get us a long way if he can continue to play like that. Absolutely. Um, we've got a bit later on in terms of awards to go through, but our next special guest, uh, for, for those who reflect back to 2002, we played a draw against Sydney, which has been described in some parts 
as one of the dullest games of football ever played, but in others, it's one of the most fascinating games of football ever played. And it was a significant game in St Kilda's history for, for what it did launch from that point on. And a man who was integral to the key moment in that match joins us on the podcast now. Well, our next guest enjoyed a 30-game career with the Saints between the year 2000 and 2004 and quite an eventful period and some very eventful moments over that journey as well. Went across to WA and had a very successful football career in the Waffle. And Saints fans in the West would have seen uh, our next guest prior to the Fremantle game uh, earlier on this year, which actually kick-started a few things for us. I speak of Daniel Wolf. Daniel, thanks for, for jumping on. Uh, thanks for having me. Love it. Awesome. Now, what does life entail these days? You're still in WA, obviously, where you played footy after the uh, the AFL. What are you uh, What are you up to? Yeah, pretty much. Um, come over here, Craig Hellan and Heath Black back in the days, and it's only going to be here for a few years. And 14 years later, I'm still here, married with two kids. So, um, yeah, uh, just working civil construction um, supervisor. Um, do. Uh, service locating and all that stuff for big projects. Pretty much got to <clears throat> locate services under the ground before, obviously, they put a bucket in the ground so they don't, you know, hit live gas or water or stuff. So it's, it's interesting. Like something I never thought I would have done after my footy career. So, yeah. Daniel, we'll, uh, we'll take you back to the very beginning, but you, uh, you were drafted to the, the Bulldogs in the 99 preseason draft and it's been a season on, on their list. What was that like before? Uh, Obviously, coming to the Saints. No, it was good. I mean, I got I did a preseason at Hawthorne first, so um, yeah, did training with Hawthorne at Glenferry Oval um, back in 1998. Uh, they were going to pick me up as a rookie at the time, and uh, Western Bulldogs got me in the preseason draft. Went there, um, played in a preseason game in NZ Cup back then, or whatever at Waverley Park, and pretty much first. I was just unlucky with injuries, probably the first quarter around, around the wing and then um, like someone shot me in the foot. So I was pretty much stress fracture out for 16 weeks. Um, got back in the side, still got in the top 10 of the best Ferris and reserves, but at the end of the day, Terry Wallace pretty much put me, pulled me in his office and pretty much said, uh, yeah, you haven't showed us something this year. And I was just like, well, how do I do that when I've been on the field? So they listened to me and, um, yeah, it went went to St Kilda on the supplementary list and pretty much went from there. So never gave up pretty much. Uh, you actually ended up coming into the club at a point where you'd argue we probably had probably our best recruitment um, yeah. in club yeah. history. You look at the, we brought in Brevolt, Krasinski, we brought in other players from cl- other clubs like Garrick and Lawrence and just, just a whole bunch of names. And it, 
sort of it was sort of I guess almost a new club by the time you've arrived there with the personnel changes of coaching and players and just everything. How did it all settle in when yeah, you yourself you're quite new, but what what was the transition for the whole club at that point? It was huge, I suppose, because back then you had a supplementary list and um, Tim Watson was the coach. So I was still part of the club, but I was just playing twos and, you know, it was pretty still pretty big back then. Um, so I still had one year up my sleeve and then got drafted, obviously, under Blighty, um, Ken Hinckley and all that. And, uh, yeah, I still remember the photo. I've still got the photo of um, the picture of Moorabbin, us all standing together, you know, Mark Gale, you know, obviously Rewild, Kaziski, um, G Train, uh, Blackie, Callahan, all them. And um, yeah, it was, it was surreal. I was just proud to be drafted again and have a second chance, sort of thing. And, and Blighty, to me, obviously, you know, all that crap that happened during the year, whatever, for me, gave me my first game, got sacked a few, few weeks later. But at the end of the day, I always idolised that um, he was the one that gave me the opportunity to play one game. Um, and, yeah, so – and he was awesome. I mean, yeah, to me, he was good. Um, and the pre-season training was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, but, you know, it was just – you look up to him, he's a legend. So, at the end of the day, I know stuff didn't work out. Grant Thomas was awesome after that. So, yeah, good. It was a strange start to your career. So, you play your first game at the Gabba against the team that eventually wins the flag. Your yeah. second game is – Cripps' comeback match and Malcolm Blight's last game, and your third game is Grant Thomas's first game. You're actually probably in, in our best players in the the Adelaide game and the Bulldogs game. What was that like? It's a it's a bizarre start to your your career. A lot going on. Yeah, no, it was good. I remember, um, yeah, Brisbane. I mean, flying. I was I still obviously you're still part of the side, and you, you train for these boys. But once you go to the airport, about to board the plane to go up. You know, and, and you know, this is it. This is your first game and you fly up to, to the Gabby room with Barry Hall. Um, obviously, you don't want to say too much because you might get punched in the head. A bit nervous. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, and then that was like, that was literally Friday night. So all Saturday, you're pretty much, you know, preparing for the game. And then you get on that bus and um, I ran through the banner. Um, the boys let me run through the banner. I've still got the photo. It's awesome. And, uh, yeah, from then on. I remember I thought I might get in the third, fourth quarter, whatever, and pretty much five minutes in the first quarter, I think Bradshaw kicked about three on Mark Gale or whatever, and pretty much I went on and played on Bradshaw. And um, I think he only kicked a few more on me, which I was pumped, but I've never – I've had a pretty sore neck seeing the ball go over my head about 28 times because we got pumped by about 100 points. And then, yeah, Adelaide, I just – he put me on the wing and I suppose not many of the players knew who I was as far as, like, didn't give me much respect. So I just went out and played. And the best thing was against Western Bulldogs. We lost to that. But just to pretty much show Terry Wallace that, you know, stiff shit, you lost me. And I, I think I had 20, 28 touches or whatever. But I remember Brad Johnson and, and Chris Grant, all the boys come up to me and saying you did well. So, yeah, it was good. But, yeah, just love playing AFL footy. And, yeah, that was it. That that game against Adelaide, uh, I think only, only a few Blokes had more of the pill than you did that day. I think Cripps, uh, Andrew Thompson, and Aaron Hamill had had a couple more touches than you. You, you were pretty good that that night in in what was a, a tough loss for the footy club. And, and obviously, as mentioned, that was Malcolm Blight's last game. But one of yeah. one of the I guess the the points from that night was that he pulled all the, the boys together after the game onto the ground and and had a chat. What what was that like? Do you remember much of that that period? And and was there any inkling about what was what was to come later that week? <laughs> 
Yeah, not real. Uh, I suppose I don't know. You you read obviously in the media and that you sort of know. You know, you you don't read too much in it, but you, I don't know. Personally, myself, you probably thought maybe that was it. I don't know. Like even the way he came across Malcolm Blight, but I still remember. Um, I think it was a Thursday when. Well, that's our day off on the Thursday. I remember, like, I was sleeping in, whatever, and got a phone call from the club. The phone rang about 20 times. You have to come straight to the club. And literally got in the car in the driveway and heard it on the news before I even got to Moorabbin. I had a half an hour drive to get there and pretty much got there and there was cameras everywhere. And I actually got there a little bit late, just quietly, and um, uh, just heard the last couple of sentences of Blighty pretty much saying that was it. And, um, yeah, so... I don't, I don't know. Like, he, I, like I said, like for me, Blighty gave him my first game. I look, I still look up to him, and if I saw him tomorrow, I'd shake his hand. And it's a privilege to play for footy is huge. And um, but that that week was massive. And then Grant Thomas took over, and but he always backed me. Like to the day I got the list, it was pretty much due to in, injuries, and he always believed me. But at the end of the day, um, you know, everything in life happens for a reason. I was just injury prone, and and. I was just glad to play one AFL game, let alone 30. So, and, and play with legends, absolute legends of the club. So, yeah. And to get to your first win, um, basically, we're going into the last round. Yeah, that was not expecting, not, not expecting a whole lot, really. It's a nah. cold, cold, wet Friday night and coming up against Hawthorne and flying and going to the finals, looking at possibly top four if they beat us by enough. And we, we, send out a team of young kids and a couple of older blokes who are probably on the end of their careers and knock them off. And how was the feeling? We've seen the players jumping on each other on the ground. We've seen the high fives and hugs in the coach's box. How, how was it afterwards? Well, for me, that was my first win. So <laughs> to sing the song after the game was massive, but um, Barry Hall obviously kicking that goal after the siren was huge. Um, yeah, it was, it was huge. I think we celebrated for a few nights, just it was the last, the last round, celebrated pretty much like a grand final. We had, had a good time together. Um, but, yeah, it was just, I suppose, that actually the, I played, when I got um, played my first game, I played the straight, the next eight games straight, got dropped the week before, come through the twos. I think I did all right. And I actually rocked up to the twos training, the Springvale training on the Thursday, thinking I was actually playing for Springvale and they are actually going, Wolfie, what are you doing here? And, Robin, and I said, oh, I'll, and they go, no, you actually got picked. So that was a Thursday. I didn't even know. So, yeah, got picked for the Friday night game and, and went in there. And, um, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, like, that's when all the young boys, the Kaziskis, the Rewalts, the Milneys, you know, what was that back in 2001? And and that was the future. And you could see three years later, they missed out on the grand We missed out on the grand final by a kick. Um, you could see there was something something happening there. So, but yes, thank God for Barry Hawk and they go off the song. I got to sing the song after eight games of uh, not singing it, but yeah, all good. Your next game was round five, two thousand and two, and again an amazing game for the the club. It was we had all of those kids: Del Sano, Rewalt, Milne. All that you, you you spoke about, uh, it was a draw that the tactical stuff around it, but but obviously at the end you've taken the intercept mark, the, the play on banana. Can you take us through that moment and and obviously the the, the, the very very nearly winning goal? Oh, I still cop it to this day. Don't worry about that. Like, <laughs> don't worry about that. I even got brought up the other week when I 
you know, obviously spoke in front of the, the Western Saints. I actually look at it now. If I kicked the goal, no one will remember me. So it was so <laughs> dramatic. I hit the post. But, um, yeah, I remember that night. And, um, yeah, I remember the next day too, burning every single page, the um, back page, front page of the paper, crying wolf. I've still got papers or clipping <laughs> and stuff. Um, but, yeah, that was a game that we, we had. I think at the, the Herald Sun that morning actually had, I think, about eight of us on the front page or back page, whatever, and pretty much all the players that played less than 10 games for that night. We're playing Sydney, who are pretty much up there. And I think the whole dramatic thing was um, we shouldn't even been any close, like should have been probably 10 goals lost, let alone a draw. So I seriously, I still this day, we should kick the goal, but I still think that, I did the right thing, played on. It was just unlucky. I, I just remember having someone in the corner of my eye, you know, sort of check side and pumped it into the post. But, um, but yeah, so I drew the game. But, yeah, still to this day, I, I still get told, um, yeah, you drew the game, Wolfie. And I said, mate, well, you know how hard it is to hit the post? It's actually harder than kicking a goal, so it must be pretty good thing. So, but yeah, no, it was good. And that, that's, yeah, so that was that was pretty my highlight. I mean, it's not a highlight, low light, but that's what I think many supporters still remember me. Um, I've got a mate over here I met when I uh, moved over here, and he's a massive killer supporter, like massive, and he reckons he broke the TV. Um, now we're best mates, so... Yeah. yeah, I was going to say I, I was sitting right on the boundary, right next to the point post, and I think I can still remember the sound. So it's it's oh, pretty memorable. <laughs> it's killer, but yeah. Uh, so you had the you had the win against Hawthorne, then the the draw in round five against Sydney uh, the following season. I think it was, it'd be another 10, 10 games before you uh you had another win. What was that period like? You, you mentioned some of those young blokes that are coming through, um, but but what was the message? I guess in that that early period under, under Grant Thomas, what was that, the message, I guess, within the club when you, you're kind of suffering loss after loss after loss? It is a bit of a killer. Obviously, you'd love to come out the, off the ground and sing the song every week. But, I, I, you know, you always say, like, there, there was um, – we knew where we were going. We knew where we were travelling. Obviously, you could see two years later, like I said, made the final or whatever. It's just, it was patience. It's hard to lose every game, but you can see improvement. I mean, I – I was an Essence supporter growing up, so I saw a lot of success. I'm St Kilda through and through now, and I, I feel sorry more for the supporters now, being a St Kilda supporter, thinking that um, I would love to win, win some more games and that. But you can see the process, just like this year, there's a process. And, um, yeah, it happens. It, it takes time or whatever. But as far as, uh, you know, a team goes, we, we had so many good players. Um, you know, I was playing with legends, Robert Harvey, Lowy, all of them, Berkey, whatever. Um, you just you walk off the ground and you go, how do, how do we not win? But I think it was just a process of getting the young boys up for the next couple of years and, um, yeah, it sort of spoke for itself, you know. St Kilda were pretty good after that from 2004 onwards, you know. So it is hard. I mean, you want to win, but um, you could see where Grant Thomas is coming from. He's a very positive, very positive coach um, and you knew that something was going to happen and it did happen. We just... Obviously, unlucky. He hadn't won a premiership still, but it was, you know, it was massive. So, in the time you're there, we're obviously aligned with Springvale um, for our seconds. How did you find the relationship between the two teams? Because we know eventually that broke down and became, we moved to Sandringham and Melbourne joined up with what is now Casey. 
how how did you find the time that you were there the between the teams or was was there much communication with the coaches saying oh we want this player to play this way or was there any of that actually happening yeah for me personally um yeah I don't know I reckon it was a bit it was a bit hard because obviously us as the AFL list of players will come in on a Thursday night and you got these spring bowl players that you know, league players been playing league for many years and they'll get pushed out by like me or someone else. And it does come a bit like it was a bit, yeah, it was a bit of friction going on, you know what I mean? It wasn't like you go out on the Saturday, you only train on the Thursday night. And you, I mean, you're not trying to be selfish or whatever, but you, you're trying to play for yourself too because you want to get back in that security side. So it was a bit, it, I know, personally myself, um, obviously you enjoy playing footy, but it, it wasn't as enjoyable as it should be because there was a lot of friction because there was spring bowl players that probably played in premierships years before, before there was Alliance and that, and they're getting kicked out because just because AFL list the players are coming in and they get number one priority and we just come in and train on a Thursday night for an hour or so and then um, pretty much get a gig. So um, he felt a bit sorry for them boys as well, you know, missing out as well. So, and then obviously the reserves players will miss out and, probably not get a game altogether because the league players are coming back into the reserve sort of thing. So, yeah, it was, I mean, footy's footy, but, yeah, I don't think it was as enjoyable as it should have been, personally. You kicked four against Geelong late in that year and we were 38 points down at three-quarter time and lost by a point. We were steamrolling them in the last quarter. You played all right against Sydney the, the, uh, the week after that as well. Did you feel... You know, 2002, you'd had a bit of a run at it going into 03 that you were in reasonable shape and unfortunately injuries just took hold. Yeah, no, that was my best year. Obviously, 2002 was was a good year. Um, Geelong, yeah, it was, a, it was a good game. It was a good comeback. Again, lost by a point, whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I felt like that year I was starting to make a mark. Um, 2003, I played in the first game, I think, against Kangaroos, um, round one. And then went on from there and then I think I broke the jaw against West Coast in that year and that's pretty much where it went downhill. But I, yeah, went to London because we went to London in the end of 2002. It was probably the best trip I've ever been to. Went over there for two weeks. It all, like, trained for all the professional athletes. It was the best uh, bonding sort of session ever. Like, yeah, it was awesome just to get on a plane and go to your comfort zone and um, train hard. Um but yeah, for me, it was just just unlucky. Like, I look at it now and I've never, ever done a soft tissue injury in my life. It was always just long-term injuries that set me back for, for weeks, which was a killer. Um, I was going to ask you about that, that O2 pre-season and what that was like for you kind of, I guess, coming off the back of that, uh, sorry, O3 pre-season, coming off the back of that O2 season that was pretty strong for you. And then you started the year pretty strong. You mentioned that that first game against the Kangaroos. You played the next couple and, and you're obviously, yeah, by then, a, a pretty kind of settled spot in the, in the senior team. But what was the, what, I guess, what was the view coming into that 03 season and, and then to, to have that injury against West Coast that kind of ruled you out for what, another 12 weeks or so after that? What, what was that experience like? Yeah, it was hard because... Um... Yeah, I thought I'll start to make myself because I'm, I'm a sort of a guy that probably I put a lot of pressure on myself and probably didn't back myself as much as I, I could. And you know, playing in front of thousands of people, I always thought maybe I'm not good enough. That's just personally myself. Um, but when I 
was positive, I'd go out and and start. Like I started believing that year, I'm I'm good enough to play AFL footy after the back of 2002, and um, yeah, start off the first few, few rounds, and then played my draw against West Coast. I think we had a really good win that that game too. So um, I remember broken jaw and and lying in the club rooms and hearing the song, and we had a win, and that's when the boys started to ramp up. Um, but yeah, it's just. Yeah, like I said, it, it's. I keep saying, like, I only played 30 games and I wish I could have played 200 games. you got the likes of Stevie Milne, who's built like a bloody shoelace and never gets injured, and you got all these other players. It's, it's it's a lot to do with luck too. But at the time, you don't realise, so actually, after your career. And like I said, I was just happy to play one AFL game, let alone 30, and play for a great club for some Kilda too. Like, I just, yeah, um, want a lot of success for them this year too. I'm, as a supporter now, and I'm a pretty bad supporter. I'll walk out if they lose as well. But, um, yeah, I just, yeah. I, I, yeah, that year I thought I was I was going to make my mark, and I was, but I don't know, just unlucky, unlucky with injuries. What, are the, what, are, what goes through your mind during those those periods? You, you said that you already kind of you, you had troubles, I guess, believing believing in yourself, but what goes through your mind when you're, when you're away from the club for that period of time? And, and you made your you made your way back to your, to your credit. You made your way back into the team later on in the year. But what what goes through your mind during some of those periods? No, you have your you have your days where you go, well, you know, nothing's falling your way or whatever. But I've got two boys now, and I always say, never give up. Well, I never gave up. I got drafted twice, like, let alone any kids in their life want to get drafted once. I got drafted twice because I never gave up. I've always put in the effort. I always sacrificed a lot of things, and like. Oh, I was in the rehab room quite a bit. I was on the bike next to Robert Harvey quite a bit. Um, never, ever, obviously, went on the bike as hard as him because, you know, when he was on the bike, there was a big, massive sweater patch, uh, patch of sweat on the ground. But, um, yeah, I just kept going and thought I'll just keep giving a crack, giving a crack to the day, obviously, I remember when Grant Thomas rang me and he sort of knew and he goes, oh, we need to have a meeting at the end of 2004 because obviously 2004 didn't get a game because injuries again. And he was, he was actually um, just quietly pretty emotional because he was just like, I don't – he really did rate me. Um, he backed me a lot, but he just said, that's part of footy, you got to rotate the list. And, um, yeah, I was, I was shattered, but I was proud of what I've done at the same time, you know. So it's what it is. Final one from. Oh, sorry, H. I think I cut your lunch. Oh, yeah, go. That's all, right. <laughs> that's all good. Um, so basically, you're talking about luck of playing games and numbers and this sort of thing. And you uh, just going through the numbers you've had. It's quite interesting reading in some of the anomalies that jump out. You go first season you play, you win one game. Second season you win two games. Third season you win three games. That third season you play six matches, but you only play against three different teams and have a 1-1 yeah. record against all three teams. Yeah. It's, it's a really strange sort of way to look at those numbers. But from all the games that you did play, then we've talked about the Hawthorne game. We've talked about the Adelaide game. Is there anything that sort of might jump out at you as a memory and go, oh, wow, I remember that really strangely enough for some sort of reason that maybe isn't one of the big things that we do all remember? Oh, obviously I was happy with me four goals against Geelong like that. But um, no, I suppose um, well my best game was, I mean, not best game, just being a part of Stewie Lowe's 300th um, against Melbourne. Like just to, 
Well, growing up, like I said, I was a supporter, but Lowy, Berkey, and Harvey to carry him off, carry Berkey off the off the ground, and and just be around those champions was my proudest moment. Like, um, I can honestly say, all I want in my life is to get a footy card. I got one footy card. I was stoked, and it's next to Rewalt and Robert Harvey and Hamill and all them, and you just go, you feel honoured to be in that sort of, you know, obviously that sort of list. But um, yeah. I mean, as far as footy goes, I mean, playing was playing, but just being around a legend like St Kilda, honestly, Moorabbin um, and St Kilda Footy Club is absolutely a beautiful club. Um, you know, it's it, I just want success for supporters for the next uh, 10 years, hopefully. So, um, yeah, pretty much. But, yeah, playing for legends is my, my biggest thing, so... I'm proud when I see Rewild on TV, I'll go, yep, and I'll say to my boys, yeah, I'll play with him sort of thing. And it's it's small, but it's big in my in my eyes, you know what I mean? So and my my boys love Rewild, so it's good. The final one before we let you go, obviously you got to speak at the the function before the Fremantle game, which is a good win. And um I just guess getting that that sort of feeling as well and, and still being, you know, around the club and and knowing that the club will reach out and, and those yeah. sorts of things, I guess it you know, it, it does prove that you are a, a saint for life. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I love doing that. Like I'm I wasn't a big talker, they'd, they'd actually give woofy shit because I wouldn't say much in meetings back then. But now I've opened up as I get older and I love talking about my time St Kilda and it's not a massive time, but I've, I've been there, done it. And, yeah, the Empire Bar, you've got these passionate Saints supporters over here and I can't stand West Coast of Fremantle. Like, I <laughs> can't stand them. Um, yeah, and that was pretty much – I went to – I've been to a, quite a few games over here at Opera Stadium with my boys, um, never seen Secure to win, and we won that game. And mate, I was I was stoked. So listen, to that song after the game was huge, and they're just so passionate. Like the supporters at the Empire Bar were just yeah, so polite. They come up, they obviously kept talking about hitting the post and stuff like that. But talk <laughs> that all the time. But yeah, I, I, I love being involved, and um, yeah, I'm I'm actually proud to say I'm I'm a past player, and that that's that's big to me, sort of thing. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm proud. I'm very proud to be a, an excellent uh, player. It didn't matter if I played one game, 30 games, 400 games. It's I'm just proud to be part of it and in the history pretty much of the club, which is massive. And we're proud to have had you with us on the podcast as well. Thanks for, for jumping on. Thanks for the contribution. It was always good fun over those journey. You were there for a lot of those key moments. And, um, yeah, thanks for, for jumping on tonight. No, thanks heaps. Uh, mate, brings back memories. Makes me happy. Cheers. That was Daniel Wolf. Uh, was a good servant of the club, and that was a really good chat. We love to to tell stories on this podcast and share some of those experiences with uh, players, be it the, the superstars. We've obviously spoken to you know Robert Harvey and Stuart Lowe and Lenny Hayes, but also some of those stories of guys that were were good players that that, that had that sort of cult figure status: Brett Moyle, Daniel Wolf, Mick Dwyer, those sorts of players over the journey. We look ahead to Essendon, a Friday night game. The Bombers have spent basically the entirety of the season in disarray. They had their 150th celebration last week. It's probably not a bad thing to play them a week after that. You would think that there'd be some sort of an emotional come down. They were okay against Carlton. They never really threatened the result, but they were okay. Um, It's a game we simply have to win. Um, Having a look at the ladder, given Melbourne's semi-collapse over the last three weeks and the doors that that's opened up for other clubs. 
it now means if you look at all of the ladder predictors and where sides are at, you're going to have to win 13 games to make the finals, possibly 14. There's no way, realistically, that we would make the finals with 12 wins. It has to be 13 at the very least with a, with a good percentage. So that makes results like this one a non-negotiable. We've got games like Essendon, West Coast, even Hawthorne, where we'll start favourites. And then we've obviously got to pick up a couple of others along the way, be it you split the Carlton and Bulldogs games, and then you pick up wins at Marvel against one of Sydney, Fremantle or Brisbane, or preferably a couple. So, but a loss against Essendon clearly makes that task much more difficult. So you have to bank it. You should bank it. Six-day break coming back from Queensland, some tired legs. They're all factors, but... I still feel that, that, that our defensive system should be too organised for them to kick a winning score against us. It should be, unless that system breaks down. Darcy Parrish will be the interesting watch for them. He was subbed out, um, but nearly everyone that gets subbed out these days plays the following week. Um, I guess the good news on our front is that Zach Jones has been cleared of hamstring damage. Um you would think on a six-day turnaround, he might be touch and go, um, but it may only be the one if he misses a game. We will miss Daniel McKenzie. We will miss Mitch Owens under the concussion protocol. So uh, Hunter Clark, you would think, surely plays. Uh, I think Wanganeen Malera um, needs to play based on ball use. And I think that Zach Jones would still miss. And then you look at Billings as a logical inclusion, but even Windhager might need a rest. And even Mason Wood might need a rest because he was a bit sore as well. So I think there'll be at least three changes and that Billings, Clark and, and Wangane Malera will play. Billings had 32 in the VFL. Cooper Sharman kicked four, so he'll come into consideration um, as to whether we were right to drop him or not. I think Butler played pretty well. Um, so, yeah, there's a few things to uh, to work through, H, but the, the bottom line is we can't be getting beaten by this mob. Um it's you just sort of sweat going into this one now. Mm. You're going, we can't let Essendon ruin our year. It's, it's they've the done one, it before. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that's and that's the thing. You just you, it's it'll keep you awake all week. This this mm. game, it's going to be, yeah, it's it's just that game you look and go, we should win this game. We there, there's no reason we shouldn't win this game. It's, it's basically the only reason we don't win this game is because of. We are St Gilda, and that's that's basically the reason you're looking to go and oh, it's just and it's a nightmare sort of thing coming up. But you just think we've just got to get back to those basic things we've done good this season. Look at what we've done right. Replicate those things. We we made mistakes on the weekend that you go. It's that sort of thing that against good teams are never going to somehow, I guess, bounce back our way. You, you make a mistake against Brisbane, they punish you. That's as simple as it is. You make a mistake against Essen, you sort of go, you go, you go to a 50-50 here, they're going to punch you or they're just going to get handed straight back to you. It's a real game that do we now need to go, this, this, this is what is going to set us up for the rest of the season. Get out there make a statement, make go, no, we're not out of this. We are not just, we're not finishing here. We're not basically saying that we're, we're going to be there at their pointy end. We, we're going to show what we can do, what we can, the, the football we can play that we know will beat the teams we have to beat later on. Let, let's get it right now. And 
it's it's an it's a situation of um Essendon, I guess, as you're saying, against Carlton, played some good football. Carlton are in the same sort of area we're in. Um, so that you sort of think that, okay, they've had a good game on the weekend. They kind of have an idea of what they're going to be coming up against. Spring a few surprises. Like change a couple of things up and think, okay, let, let, let's try this thing. Let's try this thing. But let, let's work it into the game plan that we want to play. And if that works, then we can roll that on further into other teams. Um, it, it's an opportunity to make sure we've got what's right. But it's not enough to try, I guess, try too much and then stuff it up from there. So, yeah, let, let's, let's really make sure that we go out there, get these four points, make the statement of our season is launching from here and, and, and let's get there. Let, let's get these wins before it comes down to the last game needing to win by 10 goals. It's yeah. Uh, it's so crucial that you, yeah. Uh, it, it, that makes you quite nervous to be honest. So, yeah. I, I think you're, I think you're spot on. This is, this is a statement game. I think it's, it's all of those things that, that you have both mentioned that so often, yeah, you know, it, it's it's Essendon, and it comes down to Essendon teams like Essendon um, that kind of derail us. And and this is our this is our moment for us to say, not this year. You're not going to do it this year. We, this is this is where we have to to say, like like you said, H, we're going to set the tone for the rest of our season. And and we know it's not going to be easy. We know the rest of the year is is tough. That it's a, it's a tough fixture. It's a tough schedule. Um, there's a bit going against us, but control the things that you can control and we're a better team than Essendon. And let's make sure that we go out there on Friday night and show that go back to basics, play our style of football. We have nothing to be scared of. We, we know that we're better than them. Uh, we've proved over the, the season so far that we play good football when we play our style of footy and we know that they're no good. We, we know that they're no good. So let's go out there from the first bounce and smack him in the face and set the tone for the second half of our season, because these, this is, these are the games that, if you want to be legitimate going to, into finals footy, into September footy, you've got to beat teams that are lower than you on the ladder. You've got to beat teams that are struggling. And we have to do that. We've got to put the foot down at some point and say, we're going to bury you. We deserve to be there later in the year. And you're not worthy of us. And th this is the type of game that we have to do that. And if we don't do that, if we can't do that this week, then maybe we don't deserve to be there in September and maybe guys like Kane Corns are right that maybe the second half of the year will see us potentially drop us drop out of the eight, but this is the type of game that we have to win. This is the type of game that we need to win. It, it is the epitome of a must win game of football. And if we don't, then, you know, we are right for the picking from every other club in the, in the competition and every other club is going to come into games against us thinking that they can beat us and we can't afford that. Yeah, I think if you look back over history, so 1993, um, you know, our decline kind of started in the Essendon game, 98, late in the year, certainly, when they beat us by three points at Waverley. Um, 09, obviously, they broke our 20-game winning streak, which kind of planted the seed of, of doubt. 2011, our decline was almost confirmed when they beat us. Um, 2017, we won four in a row. They belted us on a Friday night and we never recovered. Um, last year was probably the classic example. But, but the common theme with all of those matches was that the writing was on the wall a little bit 
before those games. And it kind of almost drove the message home, those Essendon losses. That's not the case this time. We're not in a wobbly position like we were in those matches. There aren't cracks appearing in the group. We should be compact enough and and mature enough and, and connected enough to get through this game. I mean, I'm one of those people that if I look at the fixture at the start of the year, if you could give me one wish, it would be that you would win this game um, mm. to, to beat Essendon. Of all of the teams in the competition, of all of the fixtures, if you could guarantee me one win at the start of the year, it would be this mob. Um, yeah. Not necessarily for those reasons, but for a number of them. So it's a game we have to put away. And, and as you say, we're, we're not we're not worthy if we drop games like this. So you've got to be careful. They've got match winners like Stringer and obviously Wright can kick a, a bunch of goals and Draper's a handy player and Merritt's a very good midfielder and all of that sort of stuff. They can play well, but on all of the evidence of the season, we should have their measure. So fingers crossed that that yeah, remains they're, the case. They're a very <clears throat> possession-happy team. That's, that's <clears throat> one thing we need to be really looking at. And as I was talking about with the Brisbane game, giving Brisbane space. Well, we give Essendon space. They're just going to keep moving the ball around between themselves and chasing and chasing and chasing that all night is going to wear us out. Let, let, let's get up in their faces early and save that time of chasing them from mark to mark to mark. Let, let, let's let just get up early, get up soon as they've got the ball, get up in their faces. The, they turn the ball over when they're under pressure. And we've seen that against a lot of teams. So don't give them that free space. Don't give them the opportunity to just keep playing on. Push them back into our forward line and really, really nail them in. They'll turn the ball over. We'll get more shots of goal. Don't give Peter Wright the opportunity to kick seven goals. Don't give Stringer the opportunity to pull a goal out of nowhere from the boundary and that's the sort of things they do. And they're the sort of things that will hurt us on the night and beat us. So beat them before it gets to them. Don't let them, don't let those match winners have the opportunity. Um, Let, let them kick it to each other, I guess, across the face of our goal, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Don't give them that outlet. So it's at the back of the pack. They're going to be hovering like they do every single time. They, Again, I think I said a few weeks ago that um, Geelong, it's the same game plan every week. Essendon are no different. They play the same game every single week. doesn't matter who they're playing. They just want to move the ball around between themselves and move it up the ground, handball by handball. And, well, I guess Darcy Paris sends it backwards and then they send it forward. So it's a a bit of a, um, yeah, don't let them have those outlets at the back of the pack. Just just tackle, tackle, tackle like we've done other weeks because that, that'll beat them. And, and that, that's where we start from. My gut feel is that, you know, we've probably had the – our defence has been the equal most organised in the comp probably with Fremantle this year. So uh, I struggle to see how they would kick more than 60 or 70 against us, but you never know. They might be able to, to sort of break through. But – if we can keep that compact, then we, we should be okay. Um, the other thing to keep yeah. in mind, sorry, Parker, before you continue, and I, and I know that we'll we'll probably do something separately a little bit later in the week for, mm-hmm. for Spud, but historically, you know, without going too much into, into Spud's game, historically we don't turn up to emotional nights 
for the footy club, whether it's milestone games or tribute games or whatever, we just don't turn up and, and whatever that is, that needs to change. And this is the perfect, this is the perfect one to do it. Yep. We lost the Spud game last year against the side. We didn't realize it was as good as they were. Um, we got the chance to obviously redeem that this time. Um, that's so St Kilda, obviously the first of our awards. Um, Nick, did you have one of those that, that sort of stood out? They're usually a bit easier to find after losses. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one. I, I know over the last few weeks, and, and thanks to, I guess, our, our Twitter followers who always tag us in stuff as it mm. comes up, and that hashtag's been going around a little bit. And um, every time a player a player goes out for a number of weeks, we get a tag saying they're due to come back against <laughs> us. And I remember a, a, a while back we got a got a number of them saying Joe Danaher will play his comeback game against us for sure. That that'll be so St Kilda and uh, yeah, I mean he was he was an impact player for for the Lions. He was really good. He you know he didn't have a lot of the ball, but but he was really impactful with it. And uh, I thought just going back to the well of of guys coming back against us and having an impact that that, that just felt so St Kilda and it had to be Joe Danaher, right? Yeah. I think that's spot on. That was always going to be the uh, the, the case. You just sort of knew it. Um, H, have you got one? Oh, I think it's got to be as simple as we lose Owens just before halftime. We lose McKenzie taking market year to start of the third quarter. Um, I mean, probably not going to be market year, but it, I've seen a one show it already. It's one market a week. I mean, just just that was just courage that mark them. It, it he had had. He hadn't had a lot of the ball, I guess, but he had played very well so far. Every everything, every ball he touched that night had actually done something quite nice with. So, um, losing him then, and yeah, it's just just not our night to in, in a game where you look go okay. They had a few injuries themselves, so they were slightly short too. That we managed to outdo them with having more injuries than they did. So it was just a a painful thing thinking that. Had we had the legs, we we probably overrun them. So it's a yeah, just a just a tough one. One, yeah, one of the them, things around those yeah. those two guys is we we've seen it you know a number of times this year of guys getting concussed doing pretty much nothing. Mm. Um, you know, going for a mark or trying to kick a goal in the goal square or literally just in, in a marking contest. It seems pretty innocuous, and I think you know as much as we don't want to see it, th- those two guys. Um, doing absolutely courageous acts, and and to see stuff like that out of Mitch Owens is great. I think we've we've got a ripper. We've, we've spoken about Wind Hager and Wangan in Malera, Jack Hayes a bunch of times over the course of this season, but but uh, Mitch Owens looks looks an absolute ripper, and uh, I think he'll be back in the team sooner rather than later. I think someone yeah. said we needed the um we needed the Port Adelaide doctor because they somehow miraculously. <laughs> Brought two back from the dead, almost. It was it was amazing to see him run back out and going, okay, how did, those two were gone for all money. So yeah, yeah. Put, putting that broadly, I I agree. I think it was our best ticket to winning the game. It felt like that Brisbane were coming off a, an arduous road trip on a short turnaround. Uh, we had to hang with them, knowing that we run games out well. If we were close enough at three quarter time, we would overrun them, and that advantage was taken away due to misfortune, which is very St Kilda. Our our blueprint to victory was actually executed. We were within a kick. Brisbane had missed countless chances to keep us in the game. 
but our chance of overrunning them was taken away by misfortune, which is very, very St Kilda. Uh, looking at um, some of the other awards, H, the Jason Blake Award, who gets the, uh, I guess, the unsung hero. Oh, as we are talking before, I think you have to give to Carl Wilkie. Got no recognition for what he did on the weekend. Um, as I said before, if he if he didn't play down back as well as he did, we lose by so much more. And and that's as easy as I can put it. Um, he continues to go under the radar. And yeah, I mean, in a losing effort, he gets completely ignored, which I don't think he deserved to. Nick? I went Tim Embry. I think all year he's been under-recognized. I think he's almost the the barometer of our, our footy club. He's kind of the spiritual leader, I guess, especially missing missing Jack Steele. Um, you know, this guy just does does everything. He, he does everything at a really high standard, um, and he just works his butt off week after week after week, and he doesn't get recognized because he doesn't get – he doesn't have the 20 or 25 touches. He doesn't kick the four or five goals. Uh, he doesn't take the, the spectacular marks or – you know, as you talk about Max King, you know, mark the ball at its highest point and, and be in the highlight reels and all that sort of stuff. But Tim Embry just works his ass off for us week after week after week. And I think I tweeted early in the game that he might be my favorite player in this current list, the, the way that it is, just the, the way that he he bleeds for this footy club is just something to to watch and, and behold. And, and I think it's a you know, we, we speak about privilege and we heard Daniel Wolf talk about the privilege of, of playing for the footy club and, you know, loves being a supporter. I, I feel like we've spoken about the privilege of, of watching Paddy Ryder play for us. And I, I almost feel the same way, maybe to a, a lesser extent, but it's a, it's a privilege watching Tim Membry run around in red, white and black because I feel like he's completely and 150% one of us that he bleeds mm-hmm. for the club like we would. And he would do absolutely anything possible to, to win a game of footy or to win a premiership. And, and I just feel like he doesn't get the recognition either from, from the footy media, the footy world, and, and sometimes even from, from St Kilda fans for, for the job that he does for us week after week. I agree. Well, he was very good and, and probably summed up by the fact that in the middle of the pandemic, when the club wasn't even able to train, he, he joined us on the podcast to give fans an update. And I think that that's an indication of being, you know, one of us and someone who bleeds red, white and black that he jumped on and did that without hesitation. And I think, yeah, he's a hard on his sleeve type player. Mine's uh, Ben Patton, who I have nominated before. Um, I think he was all right on the, uh, on the weekend. He, um, Made one mistake where he was caught holding the ball. Although if you watch the replay, it was knocked out of his hand before he was tackled. But in any case, um, I thought he was fairly solid for us um, defensively. And I think he started the season slowly, but he's worked into the year pretty well. Um, Mm. And he's been an important little stopper for us in the back half. So I like how he's going, uh, even though it hasn't been mentioned too much. Um, The Shannon Knoll Award, Nick, whilst you've uh, got the floor, what did you want to go with that? It's a tough one. I think there were probably a couple of couple of guys following this week, and I know that there's been a lot of a lot of chatter around Brad Hill uh, and his performance was probably his worst game for the year. Um, but I think at this point, I'm probably willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's had a super year. I think he's what second in our in our MVP award. Close to yeah, uh, second or third at, at the very worst. I think. 
Um, Mason Ward, I think, is one that we've touched on a, a few times. I think it was probably his worst game for the year as well. And know that he's a bit banged up and and may get a reprieve this week, uh, just purely based on you know, other guys uh, and forced changes and that sort of stuff. But Mason Wood, we, we've spoken about him being on the bubble. Um, and I think that potentially if there weren't the, the McKenzie, the uh, Owens, um, Jones, that potentially Wood's the one that goes out this week if, if we don't have those injuries. Um, if, if he's in this week and, and really whenever he comes back, if he's out, he needs to put his best foot forward every week because that we have that competition for spots that we, we haven't really had before. And we've spoken about it a number of times, but um, he needs to make every, every post a winner. Um, and last week and probably for a couple of weeks, he, he probably hasn't done that. He's been, he's been good. He's been a good soldier for us all year. And I don't want to take that away from him because he, he's been solid. He's been serviceable and he hasn't done a lot wrong, but he also hasn't, he hasn't taken every opportunity given given to him and and i think that it's time that you know he, he might get a rest this week he probably deserves to be in the team off off the, the the strength of his season he's been good and he's done he's done the right things but you know he's missed missed opportunities he's he hasn't taken his chances when he's had them um, and i think that he may get lucky this week just purely based on on some other blokes being forced changes and, and if he is playing then i think he needs to he needs to put his best foot forward and, and have a good game this week. H? I've got to look at the forward group as a whole this week. Um, Max King would take a thousand marks a week if he had a bit of help behind the scenes, behind the, before the ball gets into the forward line. You, you, if you watch the corner of the screen as we're kicking into the forward line, you see three Brisbane players standing around him basically not giving him an opportunity to even launch at the ball. Where are our forwards that they should be on? Where, where are we as a group? Well, why aren't we in there keeping those players out of his way? There, there's no point in having a massive forward if he can't even get in here. It, you, just, you just see um, Andrew's had an easy job on the weekend. Like they, the commentators absolutely gave him the raps on the weekend saying oh, how good he was. He hardly had to do anything. The, the two players who stood in front of Max did all the work. They Basically, Andrews just had to worry about if it got past him, then he had to go spoil. But, and the few times that he actually got out free, he ended up with the ball and, and taking marks. And But it, it just frustrated me the whole night watching and just, three Brisbane players just forming basically a triangle around him and he had no chance of getting anywhere near it. Um, we need our forwards giving him a bit more support. We need him in there blocking the way for him to run, blocking the uh, – like getting the hotspot and opening it up so he can move into it. But we, he's just getting crowded and there, there's absolutely no opportunity for him to do anything. So – let, let, let's help him out a bit more. Big, big opportunity this week for him to kick a few. So let's, yeah, let's give it a go. Let's, let's get the defenders out of his way. What the honourable mention, um, it sounds harsh, but again, we're sort of working towards perfection. But again, clutch goals. Um, 
Jack Higgins, he's kicked some clutch goals this year and he's missed some clutch goals this year. The one on half time that would have put us three goals up. Max King, we won the Adelaide game because he kicked clutch goals. Um, but he's missed clutch goals against Port Adelaide. And, and in this game, obviously missed one in the second quarter, missed one from long range in the third, but then missed that one in the last to put us in front. That might have been a last hurrah for us to get a bit of momentum. So more often than not, unfortunately, we're probably missing those rather than taking them. They're, they're getting better in that space, but um, they were still crucial shots missed. But this one's going to be ultimately very harsh because this player has been our best player this year. But... Just one little thing that's crept into his game in each of the last three weeks for, for Jack Sinclair, who's a star, but against Adelaide, he did it. Against North, he did it. And against Brisbane, he did it, where a couple of times he's hand grenaded the ball out of defence, where it's just landed in his lap and he's just thrown it on his foot. Um, he's a beautiful kick of the football when it's direction, but when it's aimed and he's looking to hit targets. But he's hand grenaded it a few times, just grab it, throw it on the foot and kick it straight back to the opposition. So Jack, you're a star. You've had a wonderful year, but the reason why you've had a wonderful year is because you're taking care of the footy. That's not taking care of the footy. You're better off absorbing the tackle or trying to feed it to someone. Don't just throw it on the boot and get the ball away from you in defense. Um, That's the only thing you've done wrong all year, but it's only happened in the last three weeks. So just a little bit, Slightly more composure, I think, in that space would be the order of the day. But that would be my Shannon Knoll. Uh, we tick towards Essendon on a Friday night. It is, again, Friday night exposure. We played the Giants a few weeks back, but now we get one on our own home turf and a very, very important game. We'll reconvene, as we said. We'll drop something a bit later in the week around Spud's game. Uh, so stay tuned for that one, probably Wednesday or Thursday. I um, hope you enjoyed this episode and our chat with Daniel Wolf. Go Saints. We'll catch you next week.